Hey peeps, it's me, Christine, and I want to share with you a game-changing product that has improved my sleep and daily health. So let's dive in. You all know through my journey, I have struggled with sleep, being afraid of it, not getting quality sleep, and not being able to regulate my temperature throughout the night. I definitely learned the hard way, but sleep matters big time. It's when your muscles repair, your brain detoxes, and your body can work on cellular renewal. We just can't afford to miss out on an adequate amount of high-quality sleep, which is kind of hard when you have a rare disease. There's not much that I control in this real life, but one of the easiest and most effective ways to get better sleep every single night is through temperature regulation. Studies actually prove cooler temperatures lead to a deeper, more restful sleep, and that insomniacs actually lack this natural drop in core body temperature, which is what keeps them up at night. Personally, I run hot. This means that even if my room is super cold, I wake up in a pool of sweat, uncomfortable, changing my clothes several times throughout the night. It's frustrating for obvious reasons, and this is why I was so relieved to discover this transformative products from Chili. The Cube from Chili Sleep is a system that fits right over the top of your mattress and uses water to control the temperature of your bed, which helps lower your internal temperature and triggers deeper, relaxing sleep. Since water has 30 times more thermal conductivity than air, these systems are a lot more effective than just cranking up the AC. I mean, I keep my house at 65, so it has to be true. Ever since I started using the Cube system, I've noticed I fall asleep a lot faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling fully rested. (laughs) Now, my wife is not a polar bear like me and likes to sleep a little bit warmer, so I love that we can each have our own temperatures on either side of the bed. Chili products can range between 55 and 115 degrees. Right now, Chili is offering my audience a really great deal. When you go to chilisleep.com backslash findyourrare20, you get 20% off the Cube All Sleep Systems with Find Your Rare 20. Sleep is something we could all use more of, and we can all take small steps towards getting better sleep to improve our life in big ways. I hope you'll check out the Chili Sleep System and see why I love their product so much. Hey, peeps. Welcome back to another episode of Because We Are Strong. This week, we are sitting down with Manisha, the patient doc and author of Butterflies, Boards, and Blessings, A Doctor's Journey to Thriving with Lupus. I'm your host, Teresa. And I'm Christine. So let's dive in. This is the Because We're Strong podcast, where we sit down every week to get your stories and insight on how to navigate this rare life. You can expect everything real and raw in the hopes that your story, along with ours, helps another person who is dealing with a similar rare struggle. So grab your favorite drink, a comfy blanket, and buckle in because rare disease isn't for the faint of heart. Welcome, Anisha. Thank you for being here with us today. Finally, we got you on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's good to be here. Manisha, we are so excited to have you here. Christine and I know you pretty well from Clubhouse, but we would love to have you tell our listeners about you. Okay, sure. My name is Manisha um, Ravarapu. My I am a family medicine physician, a um, mom, um, a lupus warrior, an advocate, and an author. I was diagnosed with lupus in 2010 during my second year of family medicine residency. 
I was practicing for a few years, and then in 2019, I became pregnant with my son, and I had a baby, and I took a little bit of time off during my pregnancy and afterwards, and that's actually when I published my book, Butterflies, Boards, and Blessings, A Doctor's Journey to Thriving with Lupus. That's I mean, I, I'm still in awe of you. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite things, actually, Manisha, is uh, your ability to see it from two lenses, and it gives such a, a unique perspective. Can you tell our listeners what it was like to receive the diagnosis, and especially at the time that you were getting it in your life? When I got my diagnosis, it was really shocking. Um, you know, I have had symptoms since I was a child. I would get rashes on my arms and... Um, sun sensitivity, but they were very mild and it was nothing my parents even thought to take me to a doctor about. During medical school, I started noticing more fatigue um, and more joint pain. But at the time, um, it was, you know, I was studying a lot, staying up really late. And so I figured that's where the fatigue was coming from. Then during residency, Um, That's when I really started noticing severe joint pain um, and body aches and fatigue. And I just kind of thought, hey, this is just, uh, you know, I'm I'm a resident. I'm working 80 hours a week. We're running up and down stairs all day long. I'm writing notes, you know, so that's why my wrists are hurting. Um, And I just was, uh, I was really just, you know, busy and stressed out and studying for exams doing PowerPoint presentations. And I just assumed all of this, all my symptoms were just due to this. And so when I ended up being in so much pain that I had to see a doctor and I got my results, I was like, whoa, I, I, it made sense, but I never saw it coming. So it was a shock. I bet. What was it like navigating the healthcare system as a patient who also happens to be a doctor? It was definitely different being on the other side of it. Um, I really got to see things a lot clearer of how patients were feeling and how how they saw things and what things were like for them. It was really, really eye-opening. Um, you know, as a physician, we, you know, we see our patients and then you know, we, we do what we need to do during the visit and then that's it. But we don't see everything else that goes on when the patient's not in the office. And it was just very eye-opening. And for me, being a patient, I, I learned a lot. Um, there, there are a lot more struggles than just the physical aspect of the illness. Um, I, I am thankful um, that as a physician, um, it was a little easier for me to navigate uh, because I did have resources. You know, I did have colleagues who had a colleague or another friend who could get me into an appointment sooner or, um, or things like that. Um, and I, and I knew things, um, I knew who to call for things. I knew how to get things like uh, copay assistance and different things like that. So I feel like, I I was lucky in that aspect. It was a little bit easier for me to navigate, but it was just totally eye-opening, totally eye-opening. Yeah. I mean, in medical school, right? Like, can you talk to us a little bit? I feel like we have like an inside perspective right now. Um, And so I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. In medical school, 
how often do they really speak of these rare diseases? And like, what is your training and preparation for that? And also, sorry, I've got to ask bedside manner. Can you talk a little bit about that? So when it comes to a lot of these uh, rare diseases and stuff, we read about it. This maybe in the book, there's this one chapter on it. Or sometimes it's just for like autoimmune diseases, there's a chapter of autoimmune diseases and then every single autoimmune disease is there, has their own like couple, two, three paragraphs. It's it's not really very extensively gone into. Um, we learn about these things. Um, but then since they're so rare during our residency trainings, we rarely see these things. So um, unless you are a specialist, right? Unless you go into the special fields, like for me, rheumatology, um, or for things like MS neurology. Um, so during medical school, we just kind of get a brief taste of everything. Um, I feel, um, and as far as bedside manner, it's something that can be taught. Um, I feel, but I think Bedside manner is just something that is more learned by watching others. Um, in medical school, I think they do something, I can't even remember now, just very, very basic, simple. It's not like a whole course or anything. It's maybe one lecture on, you know, how to speak to your patients kind of situation. So as someone who's like in both settings... What do you do, like, in residency if you didn't have someone who modeled being, like, warm with diagnoses and being an understanding in a holistic view? Like, what are your suggestions, I guess, for both the medical community to improve that a little bit, but also as patients, like, how can we better handle that knowing that this is not something well-trained, if that makes sense, and we can't change that? <laughs> I think for physicians, the way is to think about it is, what if that was my grandma or my mother? Um, and that's something that uh, we do talk about, you know, to help improve bedside manner. Think about that patient as if it was your own family member. How would you want them to be treated? And that's how you treat them. Unless, of course, you really hate that family member. But, you know. <laughs> you know. So good, Manisha. I love it. <laughs> but, um I think for physicians, if you put it into that perspective, how would you want to be treated? How would your family member want to be treated? It really, really helps. Um, and for patients, I think there needs to be a little bit of understanding on their part too, um, because the doctors are kind of forced to see patients in a very short time frame, And so at that point, you don't have that time to really, you're really just trying to get what you need done in that appointment. You know, you're trying to make sure that you've reviewed everything. You're trying to make sure you've gotten all the information you need from that patient. And you're trying to make sure you're addressing all the issues, which when you have some patients who are complicated, you're trying to address like six, seven different issues and manage, you know, 20 different meds in one visit. And so you're so laser focused on that, that maybe, it, it just becomes, it just becomes very, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not finding the words I want to use. I, I love what you're saying though, Manisha. I like feel it um, because I think you and I always have this perspective when we've had conversations both on Clubhouse here 
just between the two of us. It's about sometimes you guys are doing the best you can with the circumstances that you guys are put in and restrictions and how many patients and all this different stuff. And I do agree. I think, you know, and you've said it a few times um, in different places, but we have to work together. Like it can't be this versus, you know, patients versus doctors kind of rebellion (laughs) type of thing because it's not going to work. No, I mean, absolutely. We have to work together. And I think at the end of the day, patients, they, they want to work with their doctors and doctors want to work with their patients. It just sometimes gets hard because of the things, the other things that are in place, you know, the time limitations and the, you know, the, the things that doctors are having to do in order to, you know, have their documentation done and have their requirements met for um, different um, things. So it's, it gets, it gets tough. And sometimes our hands are tied um, with things, but I really think that when we work together, really beautiful things can happen. So I have to ask, what made you decide to write a book about your journey with lupus? Well, I've always wanted to publish a book and I've always really wanted for people to understand me, um, especially my family and friends. And so uh, I knew that this would be a good opportunity to really do something where I could really explain what life with lupus was like, um, you know, to, to my friends and family Lupus is just something that is a disease that I live with and um, they don't know much about it. They don't know much about it. They don't realize that it's not just I'm tired or I have joint pain. Um, you know, it affects, you know, my life. It affects um, the the work that I do, it affects my career. You know, many times, you know, I've heard, oh, it must be nice to work part time. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, no, I wish I could work full time. You know, I wish I didn't have to do blood, you know, infusions once a month, or I wish I don't didn't have to go to doctor's appointments, you know, all the time or blood work. I wish that I could work full time and not feel sick and not be fatigued and not have pain. And so I don't think people really understand how much it affects the different aspects of our life. And I really, really, really wanted to show that in a very clear way that that a chronic illness affects, you know, your career. It affects your finances. It affects your relationships. It affects your spiritual beliefs. It affects you know, everything in your life, your self-image, your self-worth. It's, it's a whole thing. It's not just one thing in our life. So I also wrote the book because I really wanted, um, those who were struggling like, like I was, or like I did in the beginning when it was really, really tough. I really wanted to encourage those who were going through this struggle that, you know, they could still live happy, successful lives that, this disease didn't have to to prevent them from being able to be happy, to do the things that they wanted to do. They may have to do the things that they wanted to do a little differently, or it might take them a little longer, or they may have to change paths a little bit. But they could still, you know, have success, still have happiness in their life. And I just, I wanted to show, you know, and encourage and just be a beacon of hope for that. Wow. 
and you, I'm going to say you, you definitely are. And I love the perspectives that you, you bring to all the spaces, but I have to kind of, kind of got to get real and raw with you for a second. It must be really hard to consistently be in a place like to be at the doctor's office, but not be a doctor. Do you miss medicine in the way you used to be able to act, um, like practice? I do. I do miss that. And I may go back to practicing medicine. Um, you know, this may just be a season in my life where the right thing for me to do right now is be at home, be with my son, um, enjoy these years with him. And then I may go back. Um, but the thing is, you know, we all have these seasons in our life and I, I want to take it for what it is and, and enjoy it for what it is. Um, I do miss, you know, being able to connect with my patients and have that relationship with them. But right now, that's not the right thing for me. Right now, the right thing for me is to be at home and, you know, raise my son. And um, I think I think that's just part of the process. You know, there'll be just different stages and phases and seasons in our life. Oh my gosh. I totally respect that. And can I just say your son is adorable. I've seen him on your photos on Instagram and he is just the cutest. I'm going to have to agree. I think he's the cutest (laughs) too. (laughs) Calling all Spoonies and chronic illness warriors. We are so excited to show you the latest design at Rare, designed specifically for inclusion and rare disease fighters and chronic illness warriors. Our accessible crew neck hoodie is meant to bridge the gap between rare disease and the rest of the world. Going for constant infusions and blood draws is hard, and we are on a mission to bring the human element back into the sterile walls of the hospital. We work together with NYP at Lawrence Nurses to make sure each detail and accessibility placement was just right. Our patent-pending accessible crew neck is the first of its kind to combine function, accessibility, and forward fashion, as well as comfortability. Each crew neck features two port access points with zippers, allowing each access during treatment. One of our favorite details is the two hidden access openings on the sleeves, perfectly placed for IV infusion access. Each opening also features a hidden zipper, as well as a cool outer button detail. Rare life is hard, but hopefully now it can be a little easier. To pre-order your accessible sweatshirt, go to findyourrare.com. How has your book been received by others? It's it's actually been received really well. And um, it's been really, really um, rewarding to, to hear from people who have read my book. I've been getting um, just instant messages and DMs on Instagram from people and the the things they're saying about how it was very relatable for them or how it gives them hope or how it encourages them, um, how it makes them feel less alone. Um, it's It feels really good to know that the book is helping other people. It's 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 doing what you know I intended it to do and and so much more. Um, when I wrote this book, I I didn't realize that I would not just be you know writing this book, but now I'm sharing my story on different other platforms. I'm I've been on podcasts, and it's really opened me up to this new world and made me feel more confident uh, confident in sharing my story and. By sharing my story encourages others to share their story, which is 
really amazing because now that they have the confidence to share their story, they're sharing. And the more we share our stories, the more we raise awareness. Um, and the more we help other people understand about our disease. So it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's, it really, it really just like warms my heart when, when I get these messages. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do something good. You know, I always want to be able to do something good and to be able to help others. And I haven't been able to do that by practicing medicine right now, but I'm able to do it in another way. And it's, it's totally amazing. It's a totally different way of doing things. And I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving being able to help people in this way. No, I, I think, you know, the, the peace I feel when you're speaking, like, allow, like allows me to know like where you are at with like the acceptance and it's so unforced. And I just, I think, you know, you're so strong and I love the resolve and I love how you've shifted your mindset to, to be thinking like, I'm still helping people, which is why I went into medicine. When, um, we've been talking on clubhouse, right? That's how we met. Gotta love clubhouse mm-hmm. or some things, I guess. Um, and I find that, hey. you know, sometimes when, you know, we've been having like heated conversation, like the medical gaslighting room and you come in People tend to like shy away. How have you kind of handled that like by by owning both sides of your identity? I I completely relate to everything everyone says in those rooms, you know, cuz I'm a patient too and it's happened to me too. I I relate and I understand and I I want everyone to under, you know, no, I, I get it. I understand it. I've been there. I've walked that I've been, you know, dismissed by people, by doctors. I've been, um, in that position of just not knowing what's going on. And there seems to be no answers and no one can tell me anything. I've dealt with the frustration of waiting. Um, you know, but I also understand why these things happen. And I try and try and help other people understand too, because honestly, as you know, we just discussed, we have to work together. And if patients are angry at their doctors or hating them before they even meet them or just not having any faith in them or any hope in them, then we're starting off on a bad foot. Um, so, you know, I tried that one hit home. Yeah. It just, you, you start you, a lot of times you come on with this mentality that, you know, this doctor is not going to do anything for me and it just, it prevents anything from actually it's self-defeating. Right. So I really try and encourage people to understand the other side of it and why things are the way they are. Um, like I, I'm a doctor too. And I've, I've dealt with this feeling of, Oh my God, I wish I could do more or, Oh, I really wish I had the answers. Um, and sometimes I, there isn't anything I can do and it's hard for us too. Um, it's hard for us. And there are things that go on behind the scenes that we have absolutely zero control of. You know, we're, we're physicians, but we're not all powerful. We're not gods. We're human beings who have feelings and, who, um, you know, deal with our own things. We have administration over us who tell us what to do and how to practice and what we're allowed to do. And, 
you know, there, there are just so many things that go on in the background that patients don't see. Um, and I just, I, I sometimes wish that as we have empathy for our patients, I would hope that patients would have empathy for us too. That's definitely important to think about. Um, what is next for you? Is there a second book in the works? Ooh, or an audiobook? Oh man, you know, a lot of a lot of people have been asking me in the past few days actually about this second book. I have been on the fence about it. Um, you know, I'm just wondering, like, who wants to hear my, you know, pregnancy me. story? Do, does anyone really want to hear this? And uh well, <laughs> I heard of me, so because <laughs> it's true. So I am I've, I've started, uh, I've started, I have a title, I've started the outline, so I think I will go forward with it. Um, it's, it's something I want to do. Um, I just got to make the time to do it. But yes, I think, I think there will be a second book. Oh man. Exciting. So Manisha, before we go, where can people find you to connect with you? Um, or buy your book. They can find me on Instagram at Manisha Ravarpu. Um, that's the best place to be able to DM me. And I'm always open for questions. Um, I really love connecting with people. I really love meeting new people. It was the thing that I loved most about being a doctor um, was being able to connect with different people. And um, if you want to get my book, um, it is it is widely available. Um it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Um, some of the other um, distributors where they sell books as well online. So it's pretty widely available. Um, I think most people just get it on Amazon. And peeps, as you know, all those links are down in our show notes, including a link to directly buy her book. So go ahead, support another Spoonie and, you know, read a, a very, very good book. And there's a chapter that is so Grey's Anatomy. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, yes. I know you love Grey's Anatomy. Yes, yes, yes. I think, I think the yes, Grey's there's Anatomy a very good chapter. I think right love now. is an understatement. <laughs> yes. I know it happened. I could probably write a whole book just about that. <laughs> well, Manisha, it has been a pleasure talking with you. We love the work you're doing and are so grateful to have you as a member of our herd. It is. I am so glad that I met you. Rare has been amazing. I, the both of you, I love you and you know that. Um, but just meeting everyone, hearing everyone's stories and just this whole herd is the most supportive family um, and I'm very thankful to be a part of Rare. And um, I really thank you for having me um, on your podcast and allowing me to share my story with everyone. Thank you. Absolutely. And as always, thank you to our listeners who tune in every week and help us bridge the gap between rare disease and the rest of the world. Until next time, live large and stay rare. Catch us next week for another episode. To continue the conversation about rare disease and all the unknowns that comes with it, join our Facebook group. Want even more rare? Become a VRP member on Patreon and learn more about our stories or how to share yours by visiting bwspod.com.